0: chapter four of the widow married a sequel to the widow barnaby by francis milton trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four old acquaintance and new ones paternal wisdom and maternal folly as generally displayed in well-regulated households a good-natured venture prophetic warnings disregarded parental pride and parental hopes on the other side of the world preparations for a homeward voyage it was at an unusually late breakfast-table one bright morning in the very height of the london season with windows opening upon berkeley square and letting in through their venetian blinds so rich an odour of mignonette as to make the heat and dust without forgotten the general hubert and his lady were discussing the brilliant party of the evening before when the postman's speaking disyllabic signal gave notice of the arrival of a letter from aunt betsy i am very sure exclaimed the lady from your sister with a few more raptures about calabria said the gentleman their suspense was not of long duration the silver salver addressed itself to the fair hands of agnes who took from it a letter bearing most decidedly neither an italian nor a devonshire postmark who in the world is that from said general hubert heaven knows it is excessively dirty replied his wife it is a ship letter observed the general but the postmark illegible answered agnes and then having like many other wise people wasted a little more time in examining the interior of her despatch than it would probably take to read it she broke the seal and looked within the delicate cheek of mrs hubert was instantly mantled with a bright blush whoever your correspondent may be agnes said the general meeting the distressed expression of her eye with a look of surprise he has no reason to complain of your indifference indifference she exclaimed no not indifference but how hubert will you endure even upon paper the reappearance of my aunt barnaby your aunt barnaby replied the general with a smile never mind agnes she will not harm us now oh thank heaven cried his wife fervently if you can bear it so philosophically hubert i shall declare presently that i am glad to hear from her especially by a very way-worn distant dated ship letter my love he replied laughing but if the request be not indiscreet for kindness sake read it aloud she did so and the general's commentary was far from unfriendly i declare to you agnes said he that i am very glad indeed to hear so good an account of her thank you a thousand times my own dear hubert said agnes stretching out her hand to him if you had looked at sight of this epistle as i have seen you look in days of yore at sight of herself i should have been oh i won't say how unhappy because poor foolish woman what she says is true she is my own mother's sister and though though she is or at least was all that i believe you thought of her it would have made me sorry almost as i could now be for anything that did not absolutely interfere with my own dear menage. had you wished me not to answer it but you will let me answer it dear husband will you not poor thing only fancy her having a child hubert what will it be like very like herself i dare say agnes replied general hubert laughing that is you know excepting all this indicating the well-remembered rouge and ringlets by an expressive flourish of his fingers around his face such finished charms cannot appear at once and indeed i should not be at all surprised if miss martha o'donagough were to turn out a very bright-eyed little beauty nay i trust she will or my poor aunt will break her heart i cannot say i have a very distinct recollection of the papa have you not the least in the world and yet i shall never forget their entrée how incomparably well your father behaved i assure you it was a lesson which i hope if the good lady were actually to appear before us in person i should not forget it was the most gentle and gentlemanly reproof to our beloved aunt betsy's severity that ever i witnessed and i am rather proud to confess agnes that notwithstanding my very strong inclination at the time to sympathise with the harsher faction i felt that he was right then and have decidedly loved him the better for it ever since if ever there was a perfect began agnes raising her beautiful eyes to the face of her husband but the sentiment or opinion she was about to pronounce was lost to the world for ever by the general's very unceremoniously closing her lips with a kiss we are despicably late this morning said he on looking at his watch after perpetrating this audacity and i must go to the horse-guards about young belmont but let me see my boy first agnes whatever emotions the lady might feel on being thus unceremoniously treated they were not such as to induce her to refuse his request the proper signal was given and two young things entered the apartment one carried in the nurse's arms and the other dawdling before her whose aspect might really have excused if anything could the vehement fanaticism of mrs elizabeth compton concerning them as well as some undeniable symptoms of weakness on the part of general hubert himself that their mother should be firmly persuaded that no children in any degree approaching within reach of a comparison with them ever did or ever could exist is a circumstance of too constant occurrence to merit an observation but the little boys were in truth very pretty children and it was no unpardonable vanity which made their mamma exclaim as they entered i really should like for aunt barnaby mrs o'donagough i mean i really should like for her to see them hubert But perhaps, if her little girl is in another style, she might hardly thank me for showing them to her. "'Silly woman, silly woman,' said the brave general, going on all fours to accept the challenge of his firstborn to a game of romps. "'Don't you know better than that yet? Why, your sister Nora thinks her little flaxen-headed dolls quite as handsome as either Montague or Compton.' "'You are quite mistaken, I assure you, General Hubert. She neither does nor could think any such thing.' the little stephensons are charming children beautiful little creatures but good morning agnes cried her laughing husband springing up from his station on the carpet don't finish the sentence but just tell me if aunt barnaby herself could be more preposterous in her estimate of our young van diemen's land cousin than you are of these young gentlemen nonsense montague you don't deserve to look at them let compton alone if you please sir i do not choose to have his cap taken off i know how i could revenge myself general for your impertinence i should be perfectly justified in shutting your two sons up for a month where you could by no device obtain a sight of them how do you think you should bear it general montague hubert it would be a prodigious relief my love let it be all arranged before i return said he kissing his hand as he retreated towards the door away with you dull jester," replied his wife but ere he had passed the door she added stay one moment though and speak seriously if you can have you really no objection to my answering my aunt's letter most certainly not indeed i should be sorry if you did not answer it for it would not be acting like yourself my agnes answer it by all means and join my name with yours in the expression of all civility then i will write directly poor aunt barnaby only think of her sending me this lock of her baby's hair I think i must send her a scrap of these bright chestnut ringlets in return continued the young mother twisting the silken curls of the eldest boy round her fingers take care how you use your shears upon that head dear love replied the general in an accent of considerable alarm silly man silly man retorted the laughing agnes don't you know better than that yet no seriously agnes jesting apart i should not like to have you cut a monstrous out of these most dainty tresses which are as like your own as it is possible for infant tresses to be and that is the reason you would not have them cut oh you false flatterer replied his wife besides to say the truth rejoined general hubert putting aside her admonitory finger i really think agnes you might hit upon something more welcome in the way of a dutiful niece-like offering than a bit of this newly spun silk your aunt used to love a fine gown if i were you i would make a shipment to sydney of sundry owls of rich satin or velvet or something of that kind are you in earnest montague i should really like to do so very much indeed i am in earnest your father is coming to dine with us to-day let him see mrs o'donagough's letter and i dare say his heart will be moved to comply with her petition about writing and perhaps to send her a quarrel and bells for her daughter into the bargain after this conversation it will be readily believed that such a packet was despatched from berkeley square to sydney as threw mrs o'donagough allen no longer into a perfect state of ecstasy on receiving it now my dear may o'donagough i mean with her eyes blazing up again with all the renovated brightness of youth now what do you think of the chance of our martha's presentation you talk of saving and saving and scraping a few pounds together and it is all vastly well as far as it goes but what will it amount to in point of advantage to our daughter compared to her being presented at court by mrs general hubert i trust o'donagough you are now sensible of the benefit we are likely to derive from the notice and affection of my family this is an extremely handsome dress my dear there is no doubt of it replied the ci-devant major you will look perfectly divine in green velvet and your brother-in-law mr willoughby has really acted with great politeness and attention in sending this handsome frock and coral ornaments for the child it all speaks well both for the wealth and goodwill of the parties you must answer these letters punctually of course and we may find out some little production of the country that will not cost much to send in return i am quite aware my dear very perfectly aware i assure you of the possible value of your connections by the way did not that dashing gay young stephenson whose fortune they said was a great deal larger than his elder brother's did not you tell me that he has married another niece of yours not exactly a niece major here her husband seized mrs o'donagough rather suddenly by the wrist and stopping shorter speech said bad habits are bad things mrs o'donagough you must madam immediately cease your foolish trick under the circumstances your incredibly foolish trick of calling me major don't oblige me to remind you of it again if you please it is no child's play we are upon remember that i could make up my mind in five minutes not to care a straw about your stiff-backed cousins from one end of the list to the other but if i do for the advantage of the child and to oblige you if i do determine to give myself the trouble of getting amongst them it must be done in a manly decided business-like spirit and in a style that may hereafter enable me to turn it to account mrs o'donagough do you understand me yes to be sure i do she replied disengaging her arm by a stout tug you need not claw one in that way i am not a bit more likely to spoil a good scheme than yourself mr alias o'donagough the ce-devant major looked as black as thunder he liked not this sportive phrase it grated painfully on his ear and it was not till he had twice paced the length of the room that he felt able to renew the conversation at length however he said and apparently with recovered good humour this is silly work my love squabbling about which of us is capable of carrying on the war with the most skill i don't believe we should either of us prove deficient if we were fairly tried and that it is likely enough we shall be and on a very handsome scale too if we ever really get launched among the people you talk of i can assure you my barnaby that to a man like me it is a devilish bore to be kept fiddle-faddling amongst such a set as there are here come let us talk em all over a little first there's that giant of a general he is just the sort of man i take it to make a great bluster beforehand and then be led by the nose by his wife when she has caught him so if you contrive to keep well with your niece he won't be much in the way then there's that sort of a wandering jew of a man that you told me such a long story about agnes's father he is come home isn't he as rich as a nabob he did not enter into any particulars my dear donny but he said something about being at last in comfortable circumstances if i remember rightly and i am sure no poor man could have sent out such a present as he has done to patty well then that's all right but i'll tell you who it is that i reckon most upon in this affectionate family reunion that you promise me for the truth is i remember a little about the young fellow myself i mean stevenson the younger brother frederick stevenson i happen to know that his fortune was about half as large again as his elder brother's didn't he play sometimes i am almost sure i have heard so i don't know about that my dear but it is very likely almost all men of fashion do at last i have heard miss morrison say so over and over but if you ask because you think that one of these days you should like to play with him yourself on account of his being rich which makes it so easy for him to lose i'll answer for it there will be no difficulty about that so intimate as we shall all be together for i well remember he was the most obliging good-natured creature in the world dear me i am sure i shall never forget our famous walk to bristol when i was obliged to roll myself over and over in the dust to save my life from that beast don't you remember how excessively kind he was running back to clifton with agnes to get a carriage for me this was the first direct allusion to any of their clifton adventures which had been made since their marriage and a perceptible frown agitated the eyebrows of mr o'donagough his sharp-witted wife smiled aside as she remarked it she and her husband had been as we know vastly fond lovers but there is a process which chemically takes place when sweets to the sweet have been incautiously laid together that renders sour what before such too closely pent-up union had been altogether the reverse and it occasionally happens in married life that something analogous to this will occur mrs o'donagough was still perhaps a little on the fret and it was certainly no very sweet feeling which caused her to set down a private leaf of her memory's tablet a n b to the effect that she knew how to plague her husband when he deserved it at that moment however she willingly let the subject pass and turning again to the copious waves of green velvet which flowed from chair to chair reiterated her thankfulness that among all the other good gifts which nature and fortune had bestowed on her she possessed for niece a mrs general hubert who knew so perfectly well how to suit her taste and dimensions in the purchase of a dress of course a correspondence so auspiciously begun was not permitted to drop by any negligence on the part of mrs o'donagough and the same good feeling which produced the first reply from berkeley square continued to dictate many more in the same kind spirit of forgetfulness as to everything that it was disagreeable to remember it is certainly possible that both the general and his sweet wife indulged in this benevolent sort of oblivion the more readily from feeling a comfortable degree of security as to the continuance of mrs o'donagough's residence abroad both knew though neither of them talked about it that it was next to impossible any man should have married the aunt barnaby from any other motive than a wish to appropriate her little fortune it therefore followed that mr o'donagough was poor and if so it was equally certain that what she possessed would not suffice to permit his leaving the new country where he could inhabit lax the paradise of corn and mutton which spread around him in order again perhaps to be jostled while in search of a dinner in the old one ergo they would stay where they were with this persuasion to sustain and stimulate their good nature aided too by the kind-hearted sympathy and co-operation of mr willoughby they continued for many years to testify their good will by letters and by gifts the expectation and reception of which formed the glory of mrs o'donagough's van diemen existence while her letters and presents in return were occasionally the source of very harmless amusement among such as remembered her mrs elizabeth compton alone must be accepted for she ceased not to declare with unvarying pertinacity and it may be with something of undying bitterness that the having half the globe between them was by no means a sufficient security against the possibility of annoyance from such a source and that nothing short of treating mrs barnaby as if civilly dead could suffice to protect them securely from the horrors of a reunion with her most cassandra-like however was the fate of the old lady's pungent eloquence everybody listened to her with an incredulous smile and general hubert seemed even to enjoy the vivid picture she sometimes drew of scenes ensuing from the alarming lady's possible return she will not come aunt betsy he said but if she should where would the sting be now gone drawn and harmless for evermore can she divorce us aunt betsy do you think that likely agnes your husband is quite young enough was the old lady's reply I never, in all my reading, met with a stronger instance of the false reasoning of wrong-headed young love. May Providence keep you from this terrible woman, my dear General, for it is quite clear you have not wit enough to guard yourself. Think if your sufferings from a Barnaby would not be increased tenfold by seeing them shared by YOUR wife! But General Hubert shook his head, and only laughed at her. End of chapter four.